Welcome to another episode of Quantum Coffee, where we discuss the deeper, unanswerable questions of the universe. I'm your host, Joe Holly. Grab some coffee, open your mind, and enjoy the show. When you are connected and you have a, a really, really kind of strong connection, you could put a thought out there, imagine something. And I really believe that it's you know, something that we've discussed before is, is technically the future only exists in our thoughts or our thoughts of the future. But once you place that intention out there or you kind of have an imagination, it kind of draws you towards that. You know? And there's things that once you have that connection and you're open to that with the universe working through you and at the same time creating an intention for something to happen, I think the universe just collaborates to make that thing happen. Once again, that was Dr. Mike. It was because of our deep conversations about the unanswerable questions of the universe that sparked the initial idea for this podcast. He was the first guest and is no doubt going to be a regular. In this episode, we discuss the power of intention, what it means to live an intentional life, and the journey we have both gone on to try and embody intentionality with everything that we do. Plus, we go down some other interesting and thought-provoking rabbit holes as well. I hope you guys enjoy listening to all the wisdom bombs Dr. Mike continues to drop. They no doubt have had a profound impact on my life, and I hope they do the same for you. So get a fresh cup of coffee and enjoy another deep dive conversation with my good friend, Dr. Mike. It is quantum coffee after all. It sure is. <laughs> Another deep dive. I got my little Yeti cup. Oh, you got your Yeti cup? You know, when you were living in my driveway, you left your Yeti cup. You actually ran over your Yeti cup, I think. How did I run over my Yeti cup? I don't know. It's like it was like a burgundy Yeti cup. Yeah. Yeah. Like a coffee cup? Like a coffee cup. So apparently, maybe you might have, I don't know, or maybe you left it in my driveway when you left and I ran over it. But at some point, I found a crushed Yeti cup on my driveway. How did the Yeti, uh, Yeti, handle, the Yeti cup handle the crushing of a car? <laughs> was it like shattered or was it just flattened? No, no, no it was flattened and bent. It's, 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 it's no longer functional. Yeah. Maybe I could have hammered it out from the inside and uh, reshaped it maybe over an old like fire, like an old uh, blacksmith or something. Yeah, yeah. What's that kind of Japanese way of repairing broken things with gold or something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the broken pots making them beautiful again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make the Yeti. Cup I do remember. Cool. I think I put the coffee cup on like the back tire or back of my car when I was, or my van when I was loading it up before I left. <laughs> unfortunate unfortunate so there you go well thanks for coming on again let's um today we decided to talk a bit about the power of intention um we're going to dive deep into that what it means and how we can use it in our lives and how we have used it and the experiences we've had with it in this experience of reality that we're just all trying to make sense of and um, I know you are really connected with intentionality and living with intention. And I'm starting to realize how powerful it is within my own life. Um, so I guess we can start with what's your kind of definition or idea of what intention even is? Yeah. yeah that's, it's, it's actually changed over the years. I remember I was having a conversation and you had mentioned uh, intentional living. and you know, it, it, this, I mean, this is maybe a, a month or two ago and it really, me, really made me start thinking about what that, what that meant to me as far as what does it mean to live intentionally and how, you know, what intention has meant to me has changed over the years. You know, I think when I was younger, you know, having an intention was, you know, can you say more of an kind of a, 
egoic pattern, like you, you, uh, you know, set a commitment to achieve something or you, and you move along that process to achieve that thing and holding to it, you know? And so originally that was my idea of, of intention. Like you set this goal, whether it be mental or, or physical, and, and you kind of stay the course until that thing is, is achieved. So you're holding this, holding tight to this, to this process. Um, you know, for me, that was like, all right, when I was in dental school, as difficult as it was or as difficult as the experience it could have been, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to finish this. I had that intention that I was going to complete this, this task. Now, as I'm older, um, it's changed a lot, man. It's, it's, it's less external and more internal, and it's more of... Uh, something that I'm connected to. It's more of connecting to something that expresses through me and not something that I need to achieve or do, but something that I need to kind of express. And I think this is beautiful. Yeah. And I think this is just, for me, it's more of a a process of, of creation or what wants to create through me, if that Mm. makes sense. More, um, you know, like I, you know, I, I explained to you that, um, you know, within my career that I, I feel that I'm moving in, a, going to be moving into another direction. You know, I'm not exactly sure what that is, but something new wants to kind of express through me. You know, mm. so that's the intentionality that that that's that's coming through me now. Not that. I have this goal that I'm going to achieve, but it's just that creating the space for something to move through me and, and express in a different way. So I think that's what intention has, has become to me. It's more of creating this connection. I don't know if you call it your higher self, your soul, or I don't know, uh, the infinite or whatever, but creating that connection to the infinite and having that express through, through me with, creation and intention. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. That's well said. I definitely can't connect with that. What's, um, what is, uh, like the process, right? Because there is this part of us that when we grow up in the society and culture that we have, and we're told these stories about what success looks like, what we're supposed to do to have a happy, fulfilled life, which is the ego setting these goals to accomplish these things that think are going to create happiness and fulfillment in our life. Like what is the process or tools or how to like more like practical advice for people? How do they uncover that deeper sense of following what's trying to, like you said, be expressed through them? rather than trying to accomplish and achieve and acquire the things they think they want from the stories that are external. Yeah. And I think that's up to every individual to find out on their own, to be honest with you. There's definitely tools, but it's, it's, for me, it's been a journey, you know, and I've definitely, you know, gone through that with doing the things that I thought that needed to be done to be successful in society. And making the proper steps and taking the right courses in school and then continuing in my education, you know, becoming a, a dentist and, and kind of following the, the pre-prescribed path. You know, and I, I think at some point, um, and I'm, I'm really connected to my profession, so I'm not saying that I don't get fulfillment in my, in my profession, but there becomes a, an internal shift. And for some people, it might be a big shift. For some people, it might be like a total dissatisfaction with what they're doing. Like, I'm, I did this and it wasn't really my choice and I dislike it and now I need to move in another direction. But the whole question is like, how, how do I move in that other direction? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. And the, like every conversation goes back to, you know... Uh, you know, Joseph Campbell, because he's, you know, I discovered him at, at a young age and, uh, 
you know, that saying, follow your bliss and kind of what that means to you. And that was my original way of, of, of finding another connection, you know, is following, yeah, man, just following things that I enjoy doing, you know, snowboarding, you know, like that's what got me through dental school. Like the fact that I learned how to snowboard and, and mm. like in the winter, I would, I would, you know, two, three, four times a week, you know, after class, I would go out to the mountain and hit the mountain and, and, and board. Um, you know, then when Talk I got about out, connecting the flow state, huh? That's such yeah, a, was, that's a tool. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it became, a, just such an amazing obsession of mine, you know, and then when I got out of, out of dental school, it, it, it became, you know, arts, it became painting. I, uh, I, you know, a friend of mine, uh, was, was an actor, was, uh, friends with this Brazilian painter. And he spent some time with her and he calls me up and he says, you know, come over, I'm going to, you know, stretch some canvases and we're just going to paint. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so he had this uh, place in the East Village and we, we went over and uh, he stretched a couple of canvases and I just started painting. And that was like, like the next spark of that, that, that bliss for me or that, that uh, spark of that connection. So it really came, I guess, through flow states and through arts and through, you know, connecting with something that brought me, brought me joy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that was kind of, of the beginning. And then it progressed from there just through, and I've always been into meditation. I started doing meditation when I was 18 years old. I, uh, I got interested in, in Zen at an early age and I would, you know, go to, uh, some Zen centers in, uh, was one in Manhattan that I would go to. And then when I was up in school, there was, uh, this place called the Rochester Zen center who, which was started by this guy, Roshi Philip Kaplow, who wrote this book, the three pillars of Zen, which was one of the most influential books in my early life. It was kind of cool. It was like, I read this book at like, I don't know, 17 years old. And then like a few years later, um, at his center, you know, wow. staring face to face with him, which was pretty, pretty amazing. And he was one of the guys that brought Zen Buddhism to the United States. Um, and let's go on. back to like how your intention of wanting to learn Zen Buddhism led you down this path and this story that you probably weren't, you know, it wasn't your goal, but you set this intention to study something that lit your soul on fire or that you felt attracted to. And then it ended up like, it's almost like you're working with the universe when you set that intention internally, right? Yeah, yeah, and I get, I guess, it, it, I guess it was moving in me the whole time, meaning that like connecting to something that that I, that was intending through me, you know, mm. um, and and not like setting that intention that I'm going to learn something, but but following something that was moving through me and following mm. through with that with 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 that even though it was, you know, as radical and different as anything that I've grown up with and as radical and different as, as anything around me. I mean, nobody, you know, growing up in Staten Island and, and back in the day, it, like nobody was knew doing was any of that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was, it's something coming into your space. Finding I mean, that's that. That's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel very, like with my journey, I mean, like, you know, when I was a kid and I fell in love with football and my goal was, I'll never forget the moment. I was like, I want to play this professionally. And I think a lot of kids have that dream, but I didn't play football until high school. And I didn't even really know what positions were. And I didn't watch a lot of football. I wasn't like a super football fan. I didn't come from a football family, but I remember being like halfway through my freshman year, I grabbed onto this guy and drove him down the field and like, dropped him on his back. And I was like, damn, like that's, that's how you it. play football. Yeah. <laughs> and I fell in love with the game and I was like, you know what? And then my coach started my sophomore year. I started like getting bigger, doing well in the weight room. And he was like, Hey, you have a chance of getting a scholarship. And when finally someone was like, Hey, you can be good at this. I was like, I'll, obviously and the thing is like, I want to play in the NFL. Obviously the statistics are like astronomical to even make it. I, there were so many people that doubted me even to get a scholarship. But I like kept pushing through, pushing through, and I like had this goal, and I just 
kept, you know, it's something that my soul and what I wanted to do and what I want to achieve. But then, you know, my sixth, seventh year in the league, my heart started shifting. And it just, mm-hmm. it, it, I just, something within me was like, you don't need to be doing this anymore. And so my eighth and final year, I decided it was finally time to move on. I felt like I, I could have played more football. I could have grinded, which a lot of guys do because there's really nothing else out there for them. Or they, that's what they think. And they get attached to this way of being. And it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do was like break away from this old story. But I had to honor what was coming up within myself. Mm. And, you know, it was like my, my, my friends and family, a lot of them didn't really understand like why I was walking away. And only a few of my teammates that really went through the experience of how tough it actually was in the body and emotionally and mentally. But yeah, I like felt this calling to, to walk away. And it was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But now looking back on it three years later, there is something else that is like wanting to work through me and trying to discover and uncover what that is. And, you know, I decided to, to get a van and travel the country. Like I had no idea why I was doing that. Now I can look back on it after the adventure and the journey and how much it's changed my life. That, that was something that was calling me towards it. And being able to trust that and honor that I think is what a lot of people in our society, because they're so attached to this idea of what they need their life to look like, don't honor what that is coming up within them. Like that intention that wants to come out through them, like you're talking about, rather than externally what they are told is going to make them happy. And yeah, it's not an easy journey always. It's challenging. I mean, you being called to to focus on your painting and, and kind of you know, it's, it's fluid, right? It's, it's, it's always changing. And that's why I do love the Joseph Campbell quote of follow your bliss, because it's not go figure out what your purpose is and go do that. It's what do you feel in this moment right now you should be doing and go do that. Because we really don't know what this experience even is, right? We're just here to have the experience. So why not do something that you're called to do and you enjoy doing? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, having an external intention, mean like setting a, a, a goal and, and it's not like I'm against setting goals, but, but holding on to that, this point in the future and not necessarily enjoying the journey in between and, and where it might take you and just being open to all, all the possibilities, all the beautiful possibilities. So that's why I think, you know, connecting to the internal and letting that express through you and having that external also, but, but just really, really connecting to how you feel and what's kind of expressing through you for me has become uh, more of how I'm, I'm living. And like you said, sometimes we don't know why we're doing things. Like, why did you just get in the van? And I mean, who the hell knows? Like, you know, and, a lot of times that it's like, you know, find the why. Sometimes you just don't know the why, you know? Because it feels right, right? It just feels right. It's just something that like, you know, my heart is telling me to do. And I, I necessarily can't necessarily express in words why I'm doing it. It's just because mm-hmm. it's just something that I need to do. It's something that, that's, that's expressing through me, you know? And I think, you know, I think you just getting up and, and getting in the van and driving around until you're not driving around anymore. Mm. It's like that, uh, I don't know, that Forrest Gump. You know, I remember he just started like running across America. Yeah, like, <laughs> why are you doing it? Why I just started this? running. I started running. And then he, uh, he, he just stopped one day and he just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it, you know? Yeah, that's like, amazing because that's it's kind of very similar to like when I was driving around the van and I, my intention when I first walked away from football was to experience my freedom from this almost, it's like this prison that I created for myself, right? Like this story and this identity of who I had to be and what I had to live to make it in that world, in that professional athlete world, in the NFL world and the story. And when I walked away, it was like I had to question all of that. And a piece of me going in the van was to experience this freedom from that story. And like, who am I without this identity. 
And it was really cool because I started the blog and I started getting a little bit of attention and it felt really good for me to be known for something other than football. Like that's really what I was craving. And then it came to a point after traveling for like six to eight months and then, you know, that feeling of, okay, but what am I supposed to be doing? Started like creeping up and it was like, okay, I can't just go. Like I've experienced my freedom. I've experienced this journey. It was more of a road trip. It's like, now what? And then I started setting the intention of like, okay, what's my purpose here? Like, what am I supposed to be doing that's supposed to be, that can be of service in a bigger way? Because I feel like, you know, in my opinion, one of the things that really creates lasting fulfillment in anyone's life is they figure out a way to be of service to something greater than themselves. And so I started setting that intention. And, you know, it was just wild how life started guiding me in that direction. Like, my inspirations that would come up within me would start guiding me in the right direction. And it wasn't very, it wasn't like I had this, this aha moment, like this is what I need to be doing. It was like this discovery. But because I was setting an attention, the discovery started taking place. And I noticed things started happening. Um, you know, connections started coming into my life. And now almost two years after I set that intention of trying to find my purpose, I feel like I'm being called, which is kind of ironic to go back into the athletic world and since my transition and realizing how difficult the transition is for athletes, like now I'm being called to start a community for former pro athletes to help them connect. And it feels so good. Like it feels so good to have like wake up each morning and create and have purpose. And I'm still uncovering it. But in the moment right now, it feels, it feels so good. And it feels like now I can look back on this journey and see all these like synchronicities and these connections and these seemingly like random things that have happened all happen exactly how they're supposed to be to get me to this point because like this is what I'm supposed to be doing in this moment. I'm sure that is going to continue to change, but I think people trusting what's coming up within them and not being so attached to the outcome as well. I think that's a big thing is not attaching to the outcome and allowing it to unfold. Because I think that's one difference between goals and intention, right? Is goals you're attached to how your life's going to look like when you achieve that thing. But an intention is I want to either become this thing or I want to influence this thing. And it kind of starts working through. It keeps you open to the process and the journey, which is really what this whole experience is all about. Yeah. And I think a key word that you said there is open. You know, for me, a goal is very closed and an intention is open. It creates space. Like when you set the attention to fund your purpose, you created space for that to work through you and the, the purpose to express. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's, beautiful. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a, an opening as a, a, opposed to a closing off, you know? And I think that's, uh, that's an important thing, creating that space for things to express instead of holding so firmly on to your identity or your career or your beliefs. Uh, or anything like that is just creating that space for things to express through you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's kind of a beautiful thing, you know. And I was going to ask you because you you said, you know, I set the intention. Now, when you set that intention, what did you mean by I set the intention? What is your definition of intention? My definition of intention. So I actually just connected with this not too long ago, like a few weeks ago, and. I know you know a lot of my story about growing up in like a Christian household and a Christian faith. And I had a lot of resistance to the word God and Jesus and, you know, just the way I felt so much shame and, and the fear and the power and the control that was created in my experience growing up through that. And it created a lot of resistance to, to that kind of like prayer and God and even like the idea of meditation growing up, I th- like I was told it's, it's Eastern mysticism. It's a way for the devil to infiltrate your mind. And it's like these, these walls are put around you when you're in, in that belief system that don't allow any other new information to come in. But I've gone on this journey of self-discovery and trying to find my own truth. And I've you know, read so many different spiritual texts and I have a very open mind because I've realized that nobody actually knows anything. And you've helped me with this. And anybody that thinks they do are full of shit. And so if, if none of us know anything, then anything can be right. But you got to be a skeptic. You got to be a bit skeptical about it. You got to inquire yourself and you got to critically think for yourself. And I feel like that's what we need more of in the world. 
and that was a long way of saying like I came back full circle to to God and what God actually means to me, not some guy in the sky, but this actually this entire experience that we get to live out and um and prayer, right? So prayer I connected with a few weeks ago to me feels more like intention. Like the way I can pray is through my intention and living an intentional life, right? And I this old idea of prayer is there's a a God, a man in the sky that's looking down, that controls everything. And I can pray and ask him for help or ask him for something. And most of the time that creates a prayer. People pray when they need something. It creates this needy, like, my life's not the way it should be and help me out. And it just never really felt right. I always had resistance to it. But when this idea of intention started growing, and then the more work I've done, it's like intention, living an intentional life, that is what real prayer is. And I think that's what you know, God or source or the universe, whatever you want to call it, that is what responds. Like that is real prayer. And even like, I'm, I'm trying to work towards living an intentional life with everything I do because of the power of intention. And that's even the smallest thing of like sitting down in front of your food. And you know, that when I was younger, we'd always bless our food, say a prayer to God. But the same thing is sitting down and bringing intention into your meal, bringing intention, looking at your food, being grateful for your food. And for me, I'm working through these eating habits of being an offensive lineman and eating too fast, eating till I'm really full. And so the way I've been able to help that is to sit down and bring awareness, sit down and look at the food, slow down in the food and set that intention beforehand. And it creates such a more beautiful experience. And I feel like when you do that with your food, your body accepts the food more, it digests the food better. And there's like this vibrational component to it. And I don't know how or why it doesn't make sense, but it's when you bring intention to something, you begin to work with that thing. Same with like, you know, go into a weekend with your friends. Like if you just sit down and be like, okay, how do I want this weekend to turn out? And you, and you sit with yourself and give yourself just a few minutes to go through what your intention is. What do you want to get out of the weekend? And it's fascinating how every time I've actually sat down and set an intention for anything, whatever it is, like that thing comes either to me in inspiration, I live it out, I'm able to enjoy the experience more. And so, so to me, it's like this idea of living an intentional life is living a, like with gratitude, living with presence and awareness and doing things not you know, it's this idea of, of, of waking up. A lot of people like to use it's, it's just living with more awareness in the moment of how you're living and in using intention creates space for you to live a life like that. And it creates a way more enjoyable experience. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, <clears throat> what you're saying about how you're eating your meals now and everything that kind of reminds me of like a kind of a, an experience that I had over the last summer when I told you, I, when I went to that uh, retreat, that Zen retreat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, during the uh, seven days in uh, retreat, there's a work practice that goes on during the day and they give you like a specific job to do. And the first two days I was like working in the garden, which was like, it was sunny out. It was beautiful. It was warm. The sun shining. I was like happy. It was like, couldn't have been like a better thing to do. I was connecting with the earth. And then the third day they had me start like, doing housekeeping and cleaning bathrooms and you know and then you, like you feel that resistance come up like son of a bitch I don't want to fucking clean a toilet you know what I mean yeah and like you know the first time I'm doing I'm doing a good job and then like the guy's like you know you're not cleaning fast enough we have this much to do and I'm like cleaning as fast as I can you know <laughs> but then by like the second that you know third fourth day by the fourth day you know I was just doing it with such care and, and dedication. And then I remember at one point I was sweeping the steps of, of you know, the stairs from the, the kitchen going up to the meditation hall. And this is, it's an old, old church. Uh, it's actually a, a national historic landmark, the, the building that it's in, uh, in the monastery. And I'm cleaning these stairs and just what was going through my head is just, how many people have walked up these and down these stairs over the years and the sacredness of these stairs. And, you know, it made that, that cleaning of the stairs and the sweeping of the stairs, 
this sacred. And I had this, this moment that like everything is sacred. It's just, it's just the intention that you bring to it. Right. Mm-hmm. At any moment, anything you can do from cleaning a toilet to sweeping the stairs to eating your food is a sacred moment. It's what mind are you bringing to it? You know? And, uh, when you were talking about how you're eating, how you're eating your food and having that intention while you're eating your food kind of made me think of that moment. It's just, you know, nothing is really mundane. Every moment is sacred, you know? Mm. And you when know, you can what, bring that gratitude for that moment, that's why I, my, my definition of happiness is, has become living in a perpetual state of gratitude, which is connecting with just the basic idea that just having an opportunity to live this experience, no matter what it is, you can have a be in in a state of gratitude for that experience. And you can label it good, bad, but just having the opportunity to even live the experience. Like if you can really connect with gratitude for that, then it's really, I mean, it's back to this idea of, which a lot of people are starting to talk about, and it's been spiritual um, lessons for millennia is that your internal environment reflects your external experience. And so many people are looking for their external environment to create their internal experience. But it's, it's, you're attached to an idea that something's going to make you happy on the inside. And it's like you cleaning those stairs. Like at first you're doing the same activity, but how come one day you're like, oh, fuck this, this sucks. But the next day you like have gratitude for everything that it means and everything that it brings. And so it's, such a good example of how you're feeling on the inside, no, no matter what you're doing, can can reflect a an enjoyable, amazing experience of what is. Yeah. And what do you have control over? You don't have control over the external. As, as much as we think we can control what goes on outside of us, we have zero control over what goes on outside of us. And the only thing that we can really control is our, our internal, you know? So... <laughs> That to me, that's the work, man. It's it's all internal. It's all internal. That's what I love, like coming back to intention too. It's like intention is almost like you know. There's obviously this this force. There's this intelligence. There's this something that is 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 this reality that's on a deeper level that we don't have control over. But when you're living with intention, it's almost like you can partner with that force with that source, with that energy, with that creative power that is this existence. When you're living an intentional life or you're trying to set intention, it's almost like when, you know, the Christian belief and and religious people that go to church and they're like, I pray and I commune with God. It's like the same thing. It's when you're living intention, it's almost like you're partnering with the experience that is the thing that you're experiencing. And when you can live in intention, it's almost like you can partner and, and be in the flow with, that force, that power force, rather than butting up against it, trying to make it your way, you can listen to what's on the inside and it creates such a more enjoyable experience, in my opinion, when you can surrender. That's where the idea of surrender and flow come from, when you're actually working with the experience of life rather than fighting against it. Yeah, and there's that moment when it just clicks, you know? Like when you're writing and you're writing and the words are just flowing. I read, mm. So I read your newsletter. Joe's got an, an amazing newsletter. And, oh, thanks, uh, brother. I read it every Thursday. And uh, inevitably, I learn something every Thursday from him. But on this week's newsletter, you brought up the fact that you woke up and then you decided to start writing. And the words weren't really flowing. So then you stepped out and then you took a walk in nature. you know. Mm. And that was another way to connect with that. You know what I mean? With, with connect mm. with that flow. It doesn't, you know, something, I mean, there's times when those words will flow, but then there's times when it might not. And then you, you know, are you going to get frustrated? Are you getting angry? How are you going to handle it? No, you're just going to find another way to connect. Mm. And uh, you went out and took a nice walk in nature to find that, that, that connection and that flow in another way. And I thought that was a beautiful example of how to, how to handle that, you know? Um, Thank you. Yeah. But when it does, you know, when it does connect, you know, when you do have those moments, when you're like, how did this happen? You don't even know how it happened. Like it just, it just brings tears to you. And I mean, who hasn't cried in those moments when, 
you know, you're on a snowboard and I know we've, we've gone snowboarding together and it's just like you're flowing down the mountain and it's, it's the smell of the trees and the wind in your face and the feel of the board against the mountain and you're just cruising along and it's just, ah, it's, it's perfection, you know, it's yeah. perfection. There's no thought. I, I, I totally get why people do the ski bum thing and go stay on a mountain and ski every day. Because it's such a connection to not only nature, but to your body and your mind body. And it, it brings you into this present moment because you have to be aware of your surroundings and you have to be flowing so you don't get hurt. And you're going down a side of a freaking mountain, which are just majestic and they have their own kind of energy. Um, and it's funny talking about, I'm up in Colorado now. Um, my girlfriend, Sarah, has a place here. So you need to come visit, first of all, this winter. And we're going to do a little ski, ski trip. Will do, will do. Talking back to intention, it's fascinating too how things like this end up happening um, when you do set an intention. Like a year or two ago, and this is something that's always been kind of on my mind, but I've always played football, right? So that's always been my focus, like I said. And part of the reason when I was done playing, I wanted to go travel in the van and travel and getting out and, and experiencing life was because I always felt like I missed out on you know the the early 20s, go out and find yourself and, and figure out what you like and go do the ski bum thing and work at a bar and go ski every day. And like, I just feel like I missed out on all that. And a lot of people might say like, oh, well, you got to play football. Which is, that, that was a damn good experience. Like, I'm really glad I got that. But I did miss out on this like kind of normal experience to go experience all these things. And so I've always like had this dream of, I want to do the, the ski bum thing. Like, I want to experience that. I want to go for two or three months in the winter, go rent an apartment and ski every day and see what this thing's all about. And luckily, I don't have to do it on a minimum wage bartending job anymore, which I can go do it. But I set that intention like a year and a half ago, and it was in my awareness. And it's fascinating how uh, I meet somebody like six months ago, we start dating. She's got a place in Colorado. And this winter, guess what? I get a place to stay. And she lives on a ski resort. And I'm going to be doing the ski bum thing because I set that intention. Yeah, I remember you saying that in Whistler. Remember? Yeah. Yeah, this is before I was dating Sarah. So explain yeah. this to me. How does how does when you want something, like this idea of everybody's talking about manifestation, right? And there's like this law of attraction and all this kind of like woo-woo spiritual stuff. And people like, if you imagine it, it'll come true. And I've experienced a lot of this. And there's got to be an idea of, you know, putting it into action. But how, like explain to me from your point of view, how these kind of things seemingly happen. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think you, you brought up a great word, imagination. So, uh, you know, I had uh, done a lot of work in shamanism also. Um, and uh, one of my, 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 my teachers that I worked with a lot and gone down to Peru to work with him a lot was Ham- Hamilton Souther. Um, and he, he started this great course called uh, Modern, Modern Shamanism. And in it, he created the definition. His definition of imagination was a uh, a visionary gateway, free from fabrication or fantasy. And to me, that just always stuck. Like as your imagination. Damn, that's so poetic, man. Yeah, it's not my words. Those are his <laughs> words, uh, Hamilton. And uh, but his words is a visionary gateway, free from free from fabrication or fantasy. And it's a place where you can go in and create using your imagination. And, you know, when you are connected and you have a, a, a really, really kind of strong connection, you could put a thought out there, imagine something. And I, 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 I really believe that it's, it's, you know, something that we've discussed before is, is, you know, technically the future only exists in our thoughts or our thoughts of the future. But once you place that intention out there or you kind of have, and imagination, it kind of draws you towards that, you know? And there's things that once you have that connection and you're open to that uh, with the universe working through you and at the same time creating an, an, an intention for something to happen, I think the universe just collaborates to make that thing happen. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, through use of, of your thinking and your thoughts and your imagination and imagining what, what it would be like to, to be that ski bum for a season. And it just 
lined up everything. And more importantly, I think you have to be open to it. And this is why I, 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 I think that intention is an open space. It's like, it's not a closed thing where you're just looking at things in a, a one direction, but you have to be open to see all the possibilities and be willing to, to, to take those chances on those possibilities. And yeah, it really comes down to mindset, right? And it's yeah. like we talked about earlier in the show. It's, it's the internal world creating an internal environment rather than expecting the external environment. And it's, you know, people that would say, you know, bullshit, I, I, I'm thinking about becoming a millionaire and I just can't. And I'm I, thinking about it, it's not happening. And it's like, what, what is the things? I, I know my, my perspective is this, you have to do the inner work, right? There's, it's not just visualizing. It's not just putting it out there. It's doing the work on questioning the stories and clearing that space to create connection to what you want to manifest in your reality. And yeah. if there's blocks and stories of why you think you can't, like that's what you need to look at. You need to, you need to put a magnifying glass on those stories and start questioning. Because like what I believe, and this is what I'm going to try and what I'm going to bring into the community, right, of these powerful former athletes who might struggling might be successful but trying to find their purpose and identity outside of sport and it's the same thing with me and this is what i've been working on for the last year year and a half is like these fears these insecurities that come up it's like the real work is the only thing holding us back from accomplishing achieving acquiring becoming anything that we desire or want is the self-limiting beliefs about why we think we can't and that's what you need to focus on first like if you if 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 you want a million dollars and say, okay, I'm gonna put it out there, I'm gonna visualize about a million dollars, and then a story pops up in your awareness of why you can't, or there's a fear of how to do it, maybe you have to create a business, maybe there's work that's involved. You start looking at those stories, that's the awareness and the thing that you have to focus on to work towards the vision that you want to manifest. And the universe is giving you those stories to look at so that you can uncover why they're there move them to the side, and then you move one step closer to what that vision is that you want to create. And if you continue to work on those stories, move all these stories, you become really clear and connected to that higher self, that divine potential, that spirit, whatever you want to call it, that's within yourself, that's trying to get you and guide you to your highest potential. Yeah. The, the, the connection is always there. You're always, mm. conne- you're always connected. It's just how much bullshit is in the way of that connection. Mm. How much, how much, you know, it's the whole idea of polishing the mirror, the mirror, right? Mm. You know, how dirty is that, that, that mirror? The mirror is always there, but you just got to, you got to clean the dirt off. And that dirt is the limiting beliefs. It's the stories. Uh, it's all these stories that you believe are true that aren't necessarily true. It's clearing all that away. It's the fear, you know, it's the, the resistance. It's the distractions, you know, mm. you have all the habits, this, the habits, it's, it's, it's all of these things are, it's the Instagram, it's, it's yeah. the, you know what I mean? It's, it's, and we live in such a distracted world, right? Yeah. What, so what are some practical tools you would give for people to look at these stories? I know you introduced me to Adi Ashanti, actually, who I love his work and his, his view of all these different spiritual teachings from a non-dualistic place. and one of his three keys to enlightenment was a meditation practice. And then the two other ones that really kind of blew my mind that deepened my, you know, connection is inquiry and contemplation. And it's like, question everything, right? Like what, what are the stories? And there's, there's, we have these personal stories that we've created from our family upbringing, the way our parents are, our peers, our the area of the world that we were born in. But then once you start questioning those, you start questioning societal stories. And then you start questioning stories of what reality actually is. And you have to question the stories in order to get to the... And it's, it's scary at times because some people, it, they, they're so attached to the stories of who they are that they don't want to release it, even if it's a negative story or a painful story, because it's a story that's familiar. So yeah, like, what are yeah. some practical tools that you use to question these stories and that some, some of the listeners can actually use to, if they're not necessarily don't have a meditation practice, they don't journal, they don't do all these tools. Like what are some easy access points to start the journey? 
Okay, so there's two of the main things that I've used in my past to handle my stories. Number one, <clears throat> you know, getting on a plane in 2008 and doing ayahuasca. Mm. Okay, for me, you know, that was a way of looking at all of my stories. And inevitably, everything comes up and you have to, you know, and I remember look at all the stories and release them, you know? If you're, I mean, that's where the suffering comes from. And I had this moment of kind of clarity during this one ceremony that our suffering comes from our belief and our stories. You're holding on to the belief in the story and it's just not true, you know? And you're holding on and that's where that suffering comes from. You know, I remember looking around at the, in the ceremony and seeing everybody just in their stories suffering because of their holding on to their beliefs of these stories. And I was just thinking like, just let, let them go. Just let it go. Let go of the story and then suffering will be over. Now, easier said than done, right? Like, you mm. know, uh, in that moment, uh, obviously, I, I saw it very, very clearly. Um, but yeah, for me, it was, uh, you know, it was using ayahuasca to help me uh, look at my stories and release my stories. And then after that, I, it was the work of Byron Katie. So I don't know what, where I got introduced to the work of Byron Katie. I think this is in 2014, I believe, or 2013. I somehow got introduced to the work of Byron Katie. And uh, I went and I spent uh, nine or 10 days with Byron Katie in uh, Ojai, California, and really like, you know, did the, did the work. And the whole idea of Byron Katie's work is to question your stories and to question the truth of your stories. And uh, her, her thing is like to ask the questions, like, is this story true? And it really becomes a meditation where you're not just like, oh, it's true. So you're asking the stories with your mind, you know, and with your thoughts, but you're going into the, the meditation and you are listening with your heart. Mm. So, really kind of the, the truth of these stories. And, uh, you know, one of the questions is, okay, where would, who would you be without this story? You know, if you didn't even, mm -hmm. if you didn't have this story, who would you be? And invariably, if you're listening with your heart and you become silent and you become quiet, the answer is always, I would be free. Mm. I would be and, free. And even questioning the story gives you space to have choice. And yes. having an understanding that, oh, all of a sudden, I get to choose. Like, just the idea of that is, is freeing. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like, it's just, just asking the question. And that's why I love the contemplation and the inquiry practice. Because just asking the question creates just a little bit of space of choice to the story. And you're like, wait, well, if I have choice of the story, then it obviously can't be objectively real. Exactly. Fascinating. Exactly. And then when it turn, what it turns out is that these stories are just a reflection of you. Meaning that like then the next part of that is there's the turnaround questions where like say it's like, you know, the, the thing that I'm, I'm uh, mad about is uh, uh, Joe was mean to me. You know what I mean? Mm. And then you ask him all these questions and then you turn it around and some of these turnarounds could be like, I was mean to Joe. And then you, like, I, you look at all these things, like, how, how was I mean to Joe? Like, is there any time in my life where I was mean to Joe? Like, you know, and then you start looking at yourself, mm. you know? And then it's in a matter of not pointing your finger outside, but turning around on you. Or mm. it, just, it all just creates space for these stories and realizing that these are just fucking stories that you're making up in your head, mm. you know? And we're all making up stories in our head. That's yeah. all this human experience is, right? Like the human being communicates through storytelling and metaphor. And it's like, oh, that's what all these religions and all these spiritual texts and all these teachings, it's, it's trying to make sense of the higher power, the divinity through metaphor and story. I communicate to you through story of what happened this week or what happened in a ceremony of ayahuasca. That's not the actual experience. I can't, if I go into an ayahuasca ceremony, I sit with the medicine. I have this profound experience and connection and all these lessons happen. The way I am going to share it with you is through my own lens of metaphor and story of what that experience felt like and how it was to me. Because it's, it's just, especially in like a psychedelic experience like that, it's almost impossible to bring something from a different dimensional reality into this linear thinking mental space 
and make sense of it. And that's why stories and metaphors are so powerful. But if the mind is left without control or an awareness or putting the mirror and looking back on it, it can run rampant and attach to these stories so you know, rigidly and, so, and, and make them feel like so much a part of reality that there's just no way to get light in. And that's why I think, and I always say this at the end of my newsletters, and it's been my big messages, you know, so many people think the world's going to shit and it's, what are we going to do and how do we help and how do we save the planet? It's like the only thing you can really do to heal the world is to heal yourself. And to do that, you have to question the stories of, of how you interact with the world and what you think, what you're thinking and how you're the lens of perception of reality that you're viewing reality through. And once you start questioning those stories and turn the mirror on yourself, that's when the world changes. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, becomes the world is going to shit. Is it true? Is it true that the world's going? I don't, I can't, it can't say that that's true. No. And then you can turn around like, am I going to shit? Am I going to shit? But yeah, you're going to shit because you're thinking the world's going to shit. You know, and then it's just like, what is your, what is your internal, you know, connection to this? Can you be the, the, can you be the calm in the eye of the storm? You know, where, where are you on, on, on the, on the inside? And Mm. it's really the, the internal peace that, that, that matters. And that's what we're all kind of going for. And it's not, it's not the external stories, you know? And once you realize that invariably you're just making up stories, then you know, just make up a good story. <laughs> yeah, you know? I love it. It's all stories. That's all it is. Just, just make up a good story. You know, and uh, you know, Adi Ashanti is definitely uh, a wonderful, wonderful teacher too. And, you know, and contemplation and inquiry and, you know, creating that separation is like, all right, who believes that? Like, you know, who is it that, who is it that believes it? Is it really you that believes it? Or is it just like you're, ego construct you know that that believes this and who's 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 thinking this is it really you that's thinking this or is there that ego construct that's attaching to all these stories that's that's thinking that or a belief system or story that was implanted from your parents point of view your society's point of view that's why i love traveling like when when i first left the country when i was 24 i went to costa rica and i realized oh man there's a, a completely different way of living you know, and these people are, they're happy. They're, they're living off the land. It's like, it's so much like that perspective shift when you realize like, oh, all the belief systems about the way the world is and the way the world works growing up in America, that's not the way people think around the world. There's so many different, there's infinite ways to have, to live a life and be productive or enjoy what's going on. And honestly, like the more you travel, the more you think about like, the consumerism culture that is in the materialistic culture that we live in is actually probably not one of the best ways to live in the first place, you know? No, but at the same time, it's, it's the structure that we're living in. And, and by you even saying that, I mean, we've yeah, got a good life too. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Enjoy it and be, and be grateful for what it is. But when, once you, what you learn when you travel and, you know, and I've, I've, I've traveled fairly extensively myself is that, you know, a smile is a smile and heart is heart and expression is expression, no matter how it's expressed, you know? And, and I remember being in a small village in Nicaragua, you know, doing some, some work and literally uh, in the middle of the jungle, hours and hours away from any kind of civilization. And, you know, they had nothing, you know, sleeping on dirt floors and, and uh, no running water, no electricity, literally no civilization for hours. And these kids are smiling and climbing trees and expressing joy. And, and you, know, you know, a smile is a smile, joy is joy, bliss is bliss. And, you know, wherever you are, you, gotta, you know, it's, it's there, you know? And it's, it's almost the more the more stories that we have, like, like in our, in our country, there's just so much more stories to attach to. So it actually takes more work to question those stories, to get back to that playful presence, climbing the trees and being, you know, where you are because there's so much distractions and we live in such a distracted world. Yeah, no, I, you know, 
I think that's I think that's true. You know, when you don't have all the distractions, that you have more connection to to nature, you have more connection to the people around you. I mean, that's when I, I you know, you, there's that saying: it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Like I literally saw that there in that village because it was like, you know, it was like a horde of children running around from place to place, you know, and no one mother or father treated another child like it wasn't their own child. And it was just, it was just interesting to see that, that, you know, the connection, it wasn't, it wasn't a separation. It was, they were all in it kind of together, working together to raise these children connected to the land whether they were hunting or farming. It was, uh, it was, it was a really, really beautiful experience. Uh, to see that without the distractions of, of modern day life, you know, they were happy, you know, and not yeah. that we're, we're not happy. There's a lot of, you know, some people are and some people are. Um, but, you know, I think the distractions, you know, we need to get away from the distractions a little bit more and like totally. you're that walk in nature and, uh, you know, getting away from the distractions and being in nature is just, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a way to clarify our intentions and a way to clarify our stories and have our, our connection. Yeah. And it takes, it takes awareness and it takes work and it takes dedication and it takes discipline. But when you show up to do this type of work, it's really like what I say, I like to say it's the work that really matters because when you can clear out distractions and open that connection, you know, life does flow a little bit more effortlessly and you're able to enjoy things. And I know we could talk about this forever. I think we've been talking for over an hour now. So if you guys liked this conversation with my buddy, Dr. Mike, we're actually going to do probably every, I don't know, depending the feedback, every five or six, maybe 10 episodes, a deep dive with Dr. Mike because you know he's got so much wisdom and our conversations have always... He actually is one of the reasons I started this podcast because of our conversations. We talk like this all the time, whether we record or not. And yeah. uh, we we realized that the impact that our conversations could have from people listening in um, could be very valuable. And so that's why we uh, decided to record these conversations. If you guys liked this conversation, have any feedback, let me know. Um, I'll put it all in the show notes, the the newsletter and the way to stay in contact with us. Um, Coming back to intention, what this episode was about, give kind of summarize, you know, the intention and maybe... Um, set an intention for this episode and for what you want people to get out of it and uh, moving forward. And again, for me, what intention has become is, is connection and allowing your higher self, your soul, the universe to, to flow through you. Um, and as we've discussed is to keep that connection as clean as possible. So limit the distractions, get in touch with the internal, whatever practices you could do to, to do that, whether it be inquiry to decrease the stories and the belief in all the stories that are limiting you, uh, meditation or anything that you find useful to just go inside because that's all you have control of is your own internal aspect and your internal perspective and maintain that connection with, uh, with, with the universe and the flow that's flowing through you at all times. And yeah, I, I think my attention for, for this podcast is just to, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm an explorer of life. Uh, um, I just keep myself open, always opening to learning and expressing and exploring through these conversations, you know, um, my intention is for people to stay open and to learn, whether it be just if you can learn one little thing, you know, that's kind of what I, what I go for. If I can learn one little thing, it's been a benefit for me. So my intention is that somebody just grasps one little thing that they learn something new and uh, that might spark something in their mind and put them in a, a direction towards the, uh, the flow of the universe. Yeah, it's beautifully said, brother. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, we'll talk again soon, man. Sending all the love and appreciation for all the wisdom you have. And um, yeah, man, I love you. Love you too, man. All right.
All right, we'll talk soon. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of Quantum Coffee. I hope you enjoyed. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me on Instagram at joe.holly or email me at joe.holly.newsletter at gmail.com. That'll all be listed in the show notes. If you have anyone that you'd like to hear on my podcast, reach out, send them my way. Also, if you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. Thanks again for all the continued support. So much love and gratitude. Peace.